So Money Episode 1063, Adam Ariyama, Editor-in-Chief of NextAdvisor.com. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Karabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. There's this thing called the financial cliff that a lot of people are talking about right now, which is this idea that the extra $600 in weekly unemployment benefits that, that many people are getting right now are going to expire at the end of July. So like, what happens after that? Welcome to So Money, everybody. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi. July 1st, 2020, a new month, all new interviews. Thanks so much for tuning in to Black Wealth Matters. What an incredible series. I'll be creating a special album, putting all of those episodes in one safe place so it can be accessible to you more easily throughout the rest of the year and forever. Stay tuned for that. Today, I'm excited to welcome back my friend, who is now the editor-in-chief of a brand new personal finance website called Next Advisor, Adam Ariema. Next Advisor is a brand new personal finance platform that just launched earlier this summer in partnership with Time Magazine. Happy to share I'm a contributing editor for the platform. And my first piece, you can read it now, is about how my family and I bought a house in the pandemic, all the behind the scenes, how we secured the mortgage, how we even got to see the house in mid-March when everybody was in lockdown. The site is full of timely and important content related to financial wellness and making smart money moves right now. There's in fact an article that I absolutely love on the site called 50 Smart Money Moves You Can Make Right Now. Adam actually authored that piece after interviewing people like Susie Orman, Mel Robbins, Erin Lowry, who's the author of Broke Millennial. More about Adam. He's a personal finance journalist, former editor-in-chief of Money Magazine. He's also been a deputy bureau chief at the Wall Street Journal, managing editor of The Daily Beast, and deputy editor of Fusion. His teams have received the Gerald Loeb Award for Business and Financial Journalism, a National Association of Black Journalists Digital Media Commentary Award, and an Emmy nom for the Best Cultural Topical Documentary. Adam and I discuss how Next Advisor is trying to differentiate in the world of personal finance content, how they are thinking about money in the context of all the different races, all the different classes, and how have his personal views on money shifted in the pandemic in this recession? Here's Adam Ariema. Ariema, welcome back to So Money, my friend. We talked like three minutes ago. It hasn't been a while. We are connected at the hip these days. Welcome to So Money. (laughs) Hey, Farnoosh. Thank you. Uh, It's good to be here. It's good to be connected to the hip with you. Yeah. So everybody, you know, exciting news. I've shared it uh, with you previously and on social that um, I have the great honor to work for Adam, who is now leading a new personal finance platform called Next Advisor. It's in partnership with Time Magazine, um, which is, of course, one of the best, oldest, most respected news journals and news magazines out there. Yeah, I'm contributing editor and really excited to be launching with this this with you, Adam. It's an interesting time to be, I mean, it's a great time, interesting slash great time to be providing personal finance advice now. Before we dive into Next Advisor, though, which has a lot of great 
content that I want to amplify uh, while I've got you here. Tell us about your move to Next Advisor, because last time you were on the show, you were at the time the editor-in-chief of Money. Uh, you since have left, obviously, but took some time to really reflect on where you wanted to head next. And um, I was a little surprised that you went back to personal finance. I don't know if that was going to be your next move, but what was sort of your thinking and why you felt this was the right move for you? No, it's actually kind of ironic, right? I uh, I left money at the in August, so almost about a year ago, and it was a big choice for me. And I did spend a lot of time thinking very broadly about what my next steps would be. I did some consulting work. I helped a couple other media organizations sort of figure out their approach to personal finance. I did some freelance writing, but I really did like consider a lot of different directions on where I would go. Um, At the end of the day, less than a year later, I'm back as editor in chief of a personal finance website. I'm back in partnership with time. Uh, Money was also in partnership with time. And, you know, generally speaking, in a pretty similar role. But the funny part is I still feel like I made a big change. As you know, the conversation around money right now is extremely different than it was at last August. I'm working with a different company that works a different way. I'm working remotely, which is obviously a big change. But in general, the big change is, is just about like what's going on in the economy and, and how we're thinking about money these days. Yeah, in some ways doing the same thing, but... Uh, in a whole new normal, in a whole new normal. Whole new normal. Yeah. No. And just for context for listeners, Money Magazine was acquired by a different company, no longer associated with Time. Um, right. But Time really felt that there was still this sort of need for personal finance content. And ha- little did they know uh, just how much the world would need it. <laughs> Seriously. And yeah, so Next Advisor is sort of a different thing than money was in some ways. Yeah. How is its approach different to tackling personal finance? Do you have a really different point of view or approach? to covering the the matter? We do, actually. And it's been interesting to track the evolution of it. So we've been working on this launch for maybe the past several months. And it was hard because as we're working on this launch, we're looking toward a June launch. You know, we're now live at time.com slash next advisor. The news environment and the economy kept changing rapidly on us. And so it was quite hard to like sort of calibrate our advice as we were working ahead to this June launch. I mean, you know, we're, we're, we're watching these unemployment numbers come in every week, just millions of people. We're wondering when the economy is going to stabilize. That was a challenge, but it also presented an opportunity because what we came to understand was that, like, I think the best thing that we can do for our readers right now, and this is sort of embedded in the name Next Advisor, we're, we're less trying to like tell you what to do because things are changing so quickly and we're more trying to tell you how to think through what you should do. And so we're really trying to show and demonstrate just sort of like help guide your thinking because the, the, the promise of the site is that no one's going to be a better financial advisor for you than yourself. Like you are your own advisor. It's up to you to figure out your next move. So like we can give you some expert advice and some stories and perspective. But what we're really trying to do is push you to sort of take control yourself. That's a one way in, in which we're like a little bit different from money. And it's, it, we kind of got forced there because of the moment. But I think we ended up in a good place. I think what's also true about the moment that we're in, Adam, is that, you know, and I agree that I always say you got to be your biggest advocate, your biggest cheerleader when it comes to your personal finances. No one cares more about it than you. <laughs> that said, 
I would like others to care about my finances, in particular, the marginalized communities, right? We know right now I'm doing a whole series or just ended a series called Black Wealth Matters. And it's no secret that people of color have been completely um, ignored when it comes to uh, robust products and services, financial literacy to help them build wealth. Um, there just aren't even enough banks in black communities to begin with. To that end, where do you think the conversation is going when it comes to like, all the roles that everybody plays in making sure an individual is financially successful. Yes, we have our own responsibilities, but also like what is the role of government and policy? And do you think that the audience is ready for those conversations and wants to have those conversations now? Because I know sometimes in political in personal finance circles, like they don't want to get quote unquote political, but some mm. things aren't really politics. It's just like human rights, mm -hmm. equal access, equal opportunity, right? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the other thing that's been happening in our in our launch period is we're getting a big push, uh, rightly so, to be much more race conscious, much more class conscious. Think about who we're speaking to and, and, and how we're speaking. Uh, so, yeah, a few thoughts on that. Obviously, we've, we've, we've really paid close attention to the representation and our coverage, both when it comes to anecdotal sources and contributors and expert sources. Really want to make sure we're reaching out to different voices in different communities and getting their perspectives. Yeah, and then when it comes to just like these conversations about what we're covering. So, for example, um, you know, homeownership, buying a home, super interesting right now. The market's doing crazy things. Re financing, huge opportunity with low interest rates. But we had to take a minute and think like, okay, when we cover these things, who are we speaking to? You know, the, the, the black home ownership rate in this country is about half of the white home ownership rate. So when you are making a big play on home buying coverage, you are just by virtue of the stats sort of speaking to a particular audience. So we're trying to be very conscious of that. And, you know, the sort of subsequent follow up to that conversation is like, OK, so what should we do to talk to people who are renting, which is obviously a big a big proportion of the country. I mean, when it comes to policy, it's really interesting how many mortgage forbearance options are out there under the CARES Act, under the Stimulus Act. And yet when it comes to like, what if you can't pay your rent, it's much harder to give advice because you're right there. There, there aren't that many policy options. Mm -hmm. And then it goes back to, you know, try to negotiate with your landlord, which is obviously a tough, a tough piece of advice to right. give. Easier people. said than done. <laughs> yeah. Your team found that they did a survey, found that over half of Americans are feeling anxious about their finances. I was actually surprised that number wasn't like 100% of Americans <laughs> are feeling anxious. Yeah. What's been the reaction to that? And, and how is it perhaps shaping the content that you are looking to deliver in the next three to six months or, or longer? Yeah, it's interesting. I got to tell you, we commissioned that survey. I was expecting a bigger number on that particular question. We asked people to rank how anxious they feel about their money on a scale of like very to somewhat to, to not at all. And yeah, just over half reported feeling anxious, which um, is a very slim majority. I don't know. I have a couple of thoughts on that. I mean, one, like, 
The relationship between your money and your mental health is so deep. Maybe the sort of causal relationship isn't always clear. You know, like your money is so ingrained in your life and it's just sort of circumscribes your circumstances in a lot of ways that like maybe some people just aren't dot connecting. There's also some research about chronic poverty and how it really just like that constant stress can just like eat away at you. But to the extent that people aren't feeling anxious, uh, <laughs> good for them. But when you talk about the next three to six months, it's like something we have to keep an eye on. There's this there's this thing called the financial cliff that a lot of people are talking about right now, which is this idea that the extra $600 in weekly unemployment benefits that, that many people are getting right now are going to expire at the end of July. So like what happens after that? You know, the economy is definitely not you know, we're obviously seeing at this moment coronavirus cases surge again. Like we're by no means in the clear. So this anxiety metric, uh, you know, I, I bet we'll probably put out another survey in the fall and, and see where it stands then, because I don't think it's going away. I agree. I was saying earlier on one of the episodes that, you know, in the immediate uh, aftermath of COVID, there were obvious industries and jobs that were impacted. Airlines, hospitality, restaurants, retail. But then there's going to be another uh, wave of this, so to say, quote unquote, wave of not just the pandemic, but of the economic toll. And that is we have yet to see. Uh, And I think that's going to be a tough one. It's going to be a tough, tough uh, world. Sorry. I don't no. want to be the bear of bad news, but I'm not I'm not optimistic about I'm just like holding on to all my dollars. I know I, I that seems wise. We're obviously like we're we're stripping down our advice to like the bare essentials, you know, like mm-hmm. our our categories on the site are save money, manage debt, build credit. You know, as much as I love doing aspirational money stories, we did a lot of those at Money Magazine, but it was a different time. I think we have to be really careful right now about, you know, obviously we want to inspire people and have them aspire to things, but also yeah, there's just, no spending category on your, I your know, site right now. <laughs> you're, on, you're on your own. <laughs> on that one. <laughs> savvy spender, no savvy spender column. Um, yeah, that, that could work. That but, could work. you know, I, I will say one thing about spending. I think there's a lot of uh, guilt surrounding spending right now, where even if you have a job, you have savings, you were planning to perhaps pre-pandemic, buy the car, renovate your kitchen. You're like, should I? Is it really the time? And, you know, my thoughts on that are, look, if you have the financial capacity, you can use this money and still be in a safe zone uh, in terms of like if you need to tap more money in case of an emergency. Good, because that's what the economy needs. We need people to be spending money. That's what's going to bring jobs back. Yeah, at the macro level, sure. Like we all need to spend our money, but like it's it's in such conflict with the micro level, where understandably, and you know, and experts have told us this too. It's just like cash in hand is so valuable right now mm-hmm. to get you through uncertain times. So it's tricky. Yeah, if you can spend money and still have an emergency fund left over that you feel good about, true. But, you know, the the feelings around this are so complicated right now. You wrote uh, the big feature piece on Next Advisor when it debuted 50 Smart Money Moves. 50. You talked to a lot (laughs) of financial experts, including Susie Orman. By the way, what does Susie think of Next Advisor? She's a friend. 
She's a she's a she's a friend. She is a contributor. We posted a couple Ask Susie videos just this week. And she's been like a informal advisor for me. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's been fantastic. You know, we've had long calls where I literally was like going over our coverage slate and asking her for her opinions on things. <laughs> Mostly got them right. I will say she did she did drop a an F bomb at one piece of advice <laughs> that she found on the site and I fixed it before publication. So she's been She's been good to She's have. She's got an eye for the mistakes. <laughs> she did. She did. She schooled me mm-hmm. uh, on a particular. We we, we had a, an article about fifteen year mortgages versus thirty year mortgages, and you know, of course, her opinions are very strong. But she lobbied very hard um, that we should be extolling the virtues of fifteen year mortgages. Yeah. I wrote about how we bought a house in a pandemic, a next advisor. And one one thing I didn't mention, because it kind of just like I forgot about it, but it was a bit of a I had to pause and think about it, whether or not to take the 15 year mortgage. Mm -hmm. Our our mortgage uh, guy was really insistent doing the math. He's like, I mean, how long are you going to really live in the house? Is it going to be like maybe 10 years? I'm like, this is my forever house. okay? (laughs) like I am not planning on an early exit strategy. I'm totally on board with that. And it's just another example of why it's so hard to give just sort of maximalist like how to advice Mm -hmm. because it's so dependent on the situation personal and economic wise and you know Susie's push was really more to say you know obviously people are going to make up their minds 90% of people get a 30 year so the you know the popular side is definitely on that but at the, at the very least you should know what the trade offs are i have to say though it was a pretty compelling pitch uh, yeah. but after talking to my husband and just like remembering who i was which was the, you know a financial expert who <laughs> yes. like what would be the advice i would give somebody else and i i tend to follow that myself too i should hope so yeah, uh, yeah i follow my own <laughs> advice uh, but you have an article called 50 smart money moves Uh, to make Mm -hmm. now. Was there anything from that piece that really hit home for you that was like, oh, I should really do this because that's what the experts are telling me. And maybe I didn't think about it before now. Yeah. I mean, the overall thrust of the piece, you know, there's 50 tips and they range from like big things you can do to little things. But the theme that that emerged as I put it all together was was what I've already talked about was like this theme of being proactive. Um, And that's what I sort of wrote about in the introduction. And that's what Susie also sort of gave me a quote to 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 that effect, which is like so many of these so many of these smart money moves just require you to pick up the phone in a lot of cases. So call your credit card issuer and talk about your payment structure. Call your mortgage servicer if you need to explore forbearance options. Like, heck, I mean, call your cell phone provider and try to knock $10 off your bill. Like, There's a lot you can do, but like it all involves being proactive um, and not waiting for help to come to you. One of one of the little micro tips in there that I love is sort of just like a uh, summary of the whole point, which is this five second rule that we got from Mel Robbins. Uh, she Mel has this theory that like if you want to take a positive action, like you got to do it immediately. So if you have an instinct to like check your account balance or, you know, um, uh, finally check those fees in your 401k account or to call your credit card issuer, like just do it immediately, like count to five and then do it. And I I love that advice. And uh, I hope that applies to like a lot of the things we talk about on Next Advisor, which is like, okay, here's how to think about it. And once you make your decision, like, 
just go for it. Yeah, it's very, very empowering. Earlier, you started talking about how, you know, you started this job and you're working from home and like your life's different for you and for everybody. How has the pandemic, the recession impacted specifically your outlook on money? Are you optimistic? Are you changing any of your belief systems? I think it's reminded me like what money is for. Um, And I think it's for security and it's to protect you in in tough times and to give you opportunities and good times. Um, I hope one lesson of this whole thing is that like inevitably shocks come. This one was unprecedented and crazy, but like, you know, I hate to say it, but like there will be more over your lifetime. And so I've spoken to a lot of people who are really resolving to put themselves in a position where if this happens again, they have, they can be less dependent on other people. Um, I I think, I hope we see sort of a, a real effort on people's parts to to be more independent and to get their finances in order because you see what happens when when things beyond your control just spiral. Well, I have to agree. I think I was hoping the first recession was going to teach us that lesson, but then we had an 11-year bull market, so yeah. uh, that uh, quickly made erased a lot of the pain. And <laughs> it's human nature to want to go back to the way things were quickly, but I do think that the the double whammy of the recession and the health crisis is yeah. the, that those two things reinforced is just um, we will all know and remember this time frame and very well, very vividly. I don't think it's going to be something that we will forget soon. And nope. I do predict there that this that I mean, we already know the national savings rate is up tremendously. So obviously in reaction to what's happening. But I would like to see that not go back to one percent. Right. Which is what it was pre-pandemic. Yeah. And I don't know. Are you like craving spending? I feel like I'm okay. I've learned a lot too about what's important and where my money really needs to go. And it's not on a lot of clothes and fancy things anymore. I mean, yeah, occasionally, but I don't think I, I, I have no desire to go back to the spending levels that I had. Me neither. I don't miss it that much. Like I don't miss my expensive gym that much. And I don't, you know, obviously I, I missed out on a couple of vacations, but like, you know, I live. Um, I don't. And I, I think I'm one of many people who are really like rethinking this whole like wants versus needs equation that we always talk about in personal finance. Like, what do you want? And what do you need? We have a great piece on the site from Juliama Taveras, who is uh, she goes by Investing Latina. You know her. Um, she wrote this fantastic uh, story for Next Advisor where she talked about her survival number, which is basically like she has a spreadsheet and you can download it if you read her story uh, where she calculates calculates like the minimum amount of money that she needs to survive each month. She got hers to like a shockingly low number because she does 581 a month, (laughs) y'all. I'm going to have her on the podcast and and walk me through that. Yeah, we've been chatting uh, and we're so excited to be. Thank you for connecting us. I don't think that we had really, quote unquote, met until we both realized we were contributors to (laughs) Next Advisor. But yeah, she's got a spreadsheet on the site in her article. It's free. You can calculate your own survival number. I'm going to do this. Can I it's say it's fun? fun. I'm, I'm such a nerd. I'm like, this is it's, fun. It's <laughs> fun. It has those formulas and it adds things for you. It's very nice. Um, but the, the, the gist of her story, you know, and she, she grew up with, uh, she's a child of immigrants. Her parents worked extremely hard for 
extremely little money. And her perspective is so great because she's like, survival doesn't have to mean scarcity and sacrifice. Like there's, there's comfort in knowing that you can get by with less and then maybe you should. And so like, I think we're all really reevaluating like what we need to get by. Um, you know, when there's a public health crisis, you just, you think about the things that matter and never mind this, this, this anti-racism movement that is rising up so, so righteously and that we all need to keep in mind. And it, it just, you know, it changes your thinking about what's important. Well, Adam, thank you so much for sharing um, a little bit of time with us and congratulations on Next Advisor. So lucky. They are so lucky to have you. And I'm so grateful to be working with you again. Um, like yeah, everybody check out nextadvisor.com. Definitely check out all these amazing articles we've been chatting about. I'm going to check out Julie's article. I don't know if I can do $581 a month. I have <laughs> I have two little kids and a mortgage, but uh hopefully it's all relative. <laughs> it's all relative. Uh Adam, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. That's great. Thanks to Adam for joining me again. Check out nextadvisor.com. Tons and tons of great articles, videos, content related to managing your money well, responsibly, and successfully in this economy. We return with Ask Farnoosh this Friday. Looking forward to reconnecting on our Friday episode. Stay tuned for that. In the meantime, I hope your day is so money. Money.